I, I do want to go back over it. So this is a series of, I'm doing something called Prayer Jumpstart. So I don't know how many teachings I'm going to do. I'm thinking I'm going to do four of them. Um, and what I wanted to start in was Ephesians. And so in the last one, we talked about Ephesians 1. Um, hold on, let my iPad go back. We did Ephesians 1, 17 through 18. I want to review it real quick, just because there's some of you who weren't here, um, and go over what I was talking about. So why I wanted to look at Ephesians, and I wanted to look at the prayer portions of Ephesians, which really there's only two major um, parts of Ephesians that Paul is actually praying. Um, but how I actually learned Ephesians was told to like make it personal to me. So take the take the scripture in Ephesians and make them personal and pray for like spiritual revelation of it. So actually, Ephesians and Revelations are said to be the most like spiritually insightful books of the Bible, meaning that they carry the most bulk, are the most hardest to understand. What's interesting is Paul actually spent the most time with the church of Ephesus, which is who he's writing this letter to. So they were more grown up in their faith. They had more spiritual understanding in order to understand this letter. So for me to even try to dissect Ephesians or try to explain it, I can't even do it barely any justice at all. I can do only what I have come to understand in my own walk, but learning that it is such a journey of my own, and that's why I was so saying about the scripture in, you know, in First Ephesians, how he's praying this for Ephesus, but we should make this personal and pray this for ourselves because part of having spiritual insight and spiritual wisdom into these things is through prayer. So I want to um, go back over Ephesians 1, 17, 18, because what I'm doing is I'm continuing into verse 19 through 22 in today. So I'm going to talk about the three points that I gave last week um, and why I gave them real quickly, and then I'm going to go into, into the other ones. So this is Ephesians 1, 17 and 18. I always pray, um, this is the Amplified actually. I always pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may grant you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation that you may have a deep and personal intimate insight into the true knowledge of him. So my first point was talking about that Paul is praying about having um, knowledge of knowing who God is. So having insight. Um, into knowing him. So praying for wisdom and revelation. So what I was saying is part of our prayer should always be for prayer and revelation because I think is, as um, we go and we pray, a lot of us are only praying for things that we want or you talk to God about stuff, maybe about your day. The challenge I'm wanting to bring to us through Ephesians is to challenge us to pray for spiritual revelation, spiritual insight, wisdom, what it is to change ourselves from the inside spiritually through the way that Paul prayed for Ephesus. Um, so that was the first point. And then I'm going to keep going in scripture. For we know the Father through the Son, and I pray that the eyes of your heart, the very center core of your being, may be enlightened, flooded with the light of the Holy Spirit, so that you will know and cherish the hope the divine guarantee, the confident expectation to which he has called you. So my second point was to pray to know the hope of your calling. So understanding, too, the definition of calling in this is actually a call to salvation. So it's not talking about a five-fold ministry. It's not getting so stuck on, 
you know, what is my calling? Everybody is called and having that understanding, what is the hope of your calling? So part of your prayer should always be to know what the hope of the things that God has called us into through salvation, through Jesus Christ. And then the last part, so that you will know and cherish the hope, the divine guarantee, the confident expectation which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, God's people. My third point was to pray to know your inheritance. So what is your inheritance? And so a lot of us will look at these scriptures and just, oh, quickly go, oh, this is so nice. You know, spiritual inheritance, the hope of my calling. What does that mean? What is it to pray for that? Because to understand like that Paul is speaking out of this crazy revelation and intimacy that he has with God. And a lot of that, I believe, has to do with the fact that after his conversion, after Jesus or, you know, God revealed himself to him, that after that conversion, there was a period of time said to believe that, Paul was gone for three years um, on the, on the uh, what was it? The, it was like the backside of the desert, um, it was to say, where he gained tons of revelation, part of that being righteousness, his right standing. So you have to look at a lot of the things that Paul writes about, how he talks about what it is to be in him. It's because he's speaking from a place of full revelation. There's so much spiritual insight into the way that Paul speaks. But there's so much that we ourselves can't just attain from just like, Reading the scripture, there's something that we need to be praying that we receive through it. So um, challenging you to pray for wisdom, to pray for revelation, to pray to understand your calling. What is the hope of your calling? And what is your inheritance? Now, when I look at the inheritance of the saints, some of those, that inheritance is your right standing. So, and I go through that in living in freedom, like a whole topic of what it is, our identity in Christ. That is an inheritance that we've received. And how we see that the enemy works overtime to steal um, our knowledge of those things. So if you, um, you lack knowledge in areas, then you're handing over that inheritance which is ours, which is a gift, which we always have. You hand it over through a lack of knowledge. So us not praying to gain knowledge, to not gain understanding, gain revelation of what it is, what is our inheritance, what did we receive through the sacrifice of Jesus, then what do we do? We hand things over to the enemy, and then you're going to realize parts of your lives and the way that we live out as Christians, we lack victory. We lack, um, you know, growth. We lack different different things. So I want to keep going now into this text a little bit more, the next things that Paul says. I So this is um, Ephesians 1, 19 through 23. This is out of the New Living Translation. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him at a place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. So the bulk of this scripture in itself, I couldn't even take more than these, um, these three scriptures. To try to take like a whole big text of what Paul says, there's so much weight in it, so much spiritual heaviness that I, you know, you got to stop. We got to stop on just what is, um, what is understanding the greatness of God's power. So I look at this um, in my own life in having never really seen or understood what I was seeing God's power in my life. Hearing about God, but only seeing death and trauma and hurt and pain. That if somebody was to read this scripture to me, it would mean absolutely nothing to me. Because where did I see his greatness when I prayed for my sister not to die? Where did I see his goodness when my dad was a pastor but his wife commits suicide, right? And so this is what we have in our lives. We have trauma, we have things that happen to us that takes from experiencing God's greatness. 
So, but Paul is challenging us to pray to understand that greatness. And the greatness first starts with the death of Jesus, what he gave up through giving up his son. Now, how I look at the, at the sacrifice of Jesus, I had to learn that we, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. It says that um, in Romans 8, 11, the same power. So if we had a full understanding that that power that brought Jesus to life is on the inside of us, that the only way that we experience life is to experience death, right? And so what part of our lives have we gotten to experience death in? And the only thing that I can say is that I know that my life was brought from death to life. The problem is, is that when we experience death, a lot of us stay in the death. And we do that even as Christians. And so we hear, we hear texts like, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You can do all things through Christ Jesus, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. You've been made a new creation, right? Like these powerful scriptures, but you haven't experienced it. I mean, who can like say, I've heard those scriptures and I don't latch on to it. I don't latch on. And why do you not latch on? You don't have revelation. Why do we not have revelation? We don't have experience. So you lack, you lack revelation when you don't have experience in areas. But what are other areas that can keep us from having experience in these areas? When we step out of a place and we stop seeing God in our lives, when we get to a place where we allow circumstances around us keeping us from experiencing God in the way that he works and the things that he does in our lives. So I know back in those days, I can give you an example of, of when you know I hated God and I've told this story a few times, and some of you heard this last week, that I, and I was in rehab, and I got that day passed, and I took off with that young girl, got in the car with me. Um, and then when I overdosed, she didn't know I was taking a bunch of pills, I took 16 pills, and I had a seizure in the fast lane of the freeway. And I, you know, wake up, and she's driving, and I clip a bus, and talk about the greatness of God's power. That was God intervening, completely saving my life. But what happened at that point? I didn't see his greatness. Because why all the trauma going on around me removed me from seeing that he stepped in, he intervened, and he dramatically did something in my life. And so these are super, like, oh my gosh, stories. And I know, like, my life tends to be more, I'm telling more traumatic stories. And, but I know a lot of you guys can relate to these stories. And if you can't, you have things in your life that you can say, God is been doing something, my eyes have not been open to it. Or he's saying, I've been doing something in your life, but I have not been aware of it, and I've been showing my greatness in your life. Now, we can easily say, like, the sacrifice and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that in itself, we could live on that for the rest of our lives. We could not have to see anything else but to know that he raised Jesus from the dead so that he could be in relationship with us. He set his son on this earth, and I harp and harp and harp on the sacrifice of Jesus because I think it from the pulpit like it gets to a place of being older it becomes repetitive to us and I don't think it can we should ever allow that to ever become a repetitive thing to where Jesus is talked about and it doesn't touch our hearts it doesn't wreck something on the inside of us but a lot of that is opening our hearts and allowing the anointing to do that when it's talked about and going into a place of let me think about you, Jesus, and what you did for me. Let me think of what you came on earth and did for me. What are the sufferings that you went through that I, um, I want to actually look at Philippians. I'm going to, I want to skip down. 
Okay, Paul talks about in Philippians 3, 10 through 11, and here's why I want to talk about this. Because part of experiencing the power of God and knowing his greatness is to experiencing Jesus and experiencing and knowing him. And so Paul talks about this. He says in uh, Philippians 3, 10 and 11, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Now, here is why I find this so powerful. We are so afraid of suffering. We are so afraid of it. And there's two aspects to suffering in the Christian life. You have somebody like I who had suffered so much and I expected to always suffer. So I walked into every situation hopeless, expecting God to do bad things and to steal from me. And then you have someone else who thinks when they become saved, everything should be roses and should be perfect. And when something happens, we blame it on God. When did we step out of a place of saying, look what Jesus went through to fulfill the will of the Father. Look what he went through so that he would experience life. Why have we allowed our sufferings to keep us in death? Where is the life of the, that, the life of the death? The only way that I can say that I'm even in the place I am today to be able to talk to you, and a lot of people don't even fully understand when I harp on that and when I say if you guys only knew, except people like my dad. People really in my past that watched me come from death who didn't, my dad didn't think I was going to live. He didn't even think I was going to make it. So for him to hear me talk about God the way that I do when I hated him and despised him, he's the one that can attest that she was brought from life or from death to life. So what is it to allow your sufferings to bring you to life? What is it to allow your sufferings and say, I'm going to experience Jesus in my sufferings. I want to experience him and I want it to bring out of this life. I want it to be used. I want my story to be used. I don't want to get stuck in my pain. I want to get to the other side of it. That is being able to experience the greatness of God. When we experience the suffering, when we experience a crushing, because the anointing comes through a crushing. And that is the more God has been dealing with me on my heart in just this past I don't know a few months of what it is to talk on a, a suffering, to talk on endurance, to talk on pain. And is it to be like, oh, I carry that cross as a Christian. I bear that. I absolutely don't believe in that at all. I believe that there's a part that God allows in our lives to happen so that we are refined, that our faith is tested, that we are made new, we are made better, we are made alive. And then there's people that get stuck in their pain and they're not allowing God to restore them, heal them, and set free. And so what is the difference between those two? So never receive my messages I'm saying we should go around and say we have to bear and carry a cross it's like no but we should allow the things that we've carried that we've had to go through and we should get to the other side so that God's glorified so that his power is made known so that he's seen big so that he's the one that reflects through it and um in Corinthians second um second Corinthians or what is it I think it's three second Corinthians three eighteen. Um, it talks about that we with unveiled faces, we reflect the Lord, Lord's glory. And I've talked on this scripture a lot. Um, we are transformed into his like, likeliness. We go from glory to glory. That's another process that you go through, through suffering, through and allowing God to do the work in it. That you begin to reflect him. That you begin to reflect his glory. That his power on the inside of you is made known. So what I'm, what I'm talking about in this prayer is praying to know his greatness, right? And so do, should we just expect to know his greatness through this big shabam thing that he gives me tomorrow? That he, you know, drops this huge 
whatever, this job I've been believing for, absolutely that's how God works. But why don't we expect to see his greatness in our sufferings? Why don't we expect to see his greatness in the things that we've been stuck in or the things that have gone on in our lives that we should expect to see something bigger in that, that we should expect to get to the other side and that we should expect to see his glory and power through that. The only reason I get so... You know, you guys know I get super excited about stuff. Like I get, everybody's always like, you're so passionate. You're, why I'm passionate is because I've experienced God. I know what it is to be brought from, you know, from life, from death. I know what it is to be set free from depression and addiction and suicide and saved from death. So yes, I get excited because I know this is true. I know what Paul is saying is true. I know that we can pray for this. And I know that I've experienced the world. And I try to get everything from the world that I could and make that my hope and my peace. Let drugs be that. Let men be that. Let whatever it was that the world had to offer, I tried to experience in order to change the pain on the inside of me. And what did I come up empty-handed in everything that I did? So I know that scripture is powerful. I know that what Paul is saying is real and is true and that we should experience to see the power of God, that none of us should lack that. There's not one person that should lack it because... Um, maybe they think, oh, well, I haven't had the trauma you had, or you're just called to something different. Absolutely not. This is for every single person. This isn't for specific people. So this prayer should be something that we all stand in to experience the greatness of God and the power of God. The second thing that I want to talk about in this text, and I want to keep going um, further down in that scripture. So the first thing is to... Understand the incredible greatness of God's power. Now, as you keep going, it says, and it, he's talking about his mighty power, so we should know it through the sufferings, you know, through what Jesus Christ was, that he was seated at the right hand, um, at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in the world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ. He has made him head over all things, for the benefit of the church. And the church's body is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. Now this morning, and I felt like I got something um, on my heart about this message. Like I was, I was saying, I, I felt like I heard Jesus' name above all names. And that I was supposed to talk about what it is to pray in the name of Jesus. What I think happens and what happens in the Christian world is you're taught as a little kid to end your prayer in Jesus' name, right? And so even when I was so broken and so jacked up, guess what, though? I prayed in Jesus' name, and I ended my stuff in Jesus' name. I had all the demons in hell tormenting me, and I had no idea what Jesus' name actually meant, but I closed my prayer in it, you know? And so, like, what what is it to pray in Jesus' name? So part of, you know, this text says he's uh, praying that we would know the fullness and the greatness of God, and it is through Jesus, that part of praying through the revelation of Jesus is understanding why everything is prayed through Jesus. So I want to talk about three parts of praying in the name of Jesus. Um, I want to break this down in three ways because I think that this is like such a subject that I feel completely inadequate to even talk on, not even completely inadequate to talk on Ephesians, but talk on the name of Jesus. And so to me, this was like, I don't feel in the fact that I had to just prepare this today, felt like I was anybody to even talk about Jesus like this. To me, Jesus is, he's so infinite and so huge in what he did and who am I to talk about using his name in prayer. So I'm going to do the best that I can in this and what it means. I, all I can say is that when I had 
full and full, not full, because you're never going to step into full revelation. When I started having more revelation of just the power of the sacrifice of Jesus and what it did in my life, because that's how I learned the love of God, was to fully understand the sacrifice of Jesus. I just know that my prayers came out in more of authority because I realized that everything was through his name. Everything always is to go back to Jesus. Everything we do, the way that we live, the way that we read scripture, it all goes back to Jesus. The way we pray is all through Jesus. If we understand that we enter into the throne room in Jesus' name, that God sees us as a, as a reflection of Jesus. You know, before in the Old Testament, before Jesus died on the cross, there was a veil. There, there was a veil covering that. It's covering um, you, like in the in the Holy of Holies, that we were not able to go and, you know, approach God. After Jesus died on the cross, we are now able to step in and talk to him. There is nothing in between us. And why is that? because of Jesus. So if we understand in prayer, it's all because of Jesus. So to get into that mindset, you are going to God. Anytime you petition God, you're petitioning him through Jesus. Um, so, you know, you look at that scripture. I want to talk about this scripture um, where Jesus says in um, John 16, he's talking about, um, he says, my father will give you whatever you ask in my name. So you take this and you're like, well, shoot, I've been saying in Jesus' name at the end of every every prayer, you have not given me all I ask in your name, right? And so that's where we, a lot of these things, we can take stuff out of like context. So what what is Jesus really talking about in that? Um, so three things, the first one I want to point out is you are to ask what Jesus himself would ask for. <laughs> so when you go to God, you are petitioning God and through which you, what is will of God revealed to you. So if you're going, you know, knowing the will of God in a certain area, if you're going with scripture that has been, you know, imparted into you and you come to God with, you know, his promises and his beliefs or his promises and things that um, you're standing for that you know are the will of God, then you know he's going to answer that in the name of Jesus, right? But when we go and we um, go to God outside of that and not having full understanding of exactly maybe what his will is in that area, then part of our prayer, and even Paul talks about this, is understanding the will of God. Praying to have understanding of the will of God. He talks about that in um, Colossians. Paul is actually um, another prayer that he is praying for the Colossians. He talks about praying to know the will of the Father. Part of knowing the will of the Father is knowing him. So part of knowing what you're coming to God through Jesus' name is knowing Jesus. Um, and he also says, but if I remain, if and this is John 15, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. This is Jesus again talking. So if you remain in me and my words remain in you, so what is that? Jesus in uh, knowing, you know, Jesus and who he was, the what he did when he walked on the earth, and where does a lot of that come from? The Gospels of studying out, you know, who Jesus is. I mean, that's part of a lot of understanding and coming to God and knowing the will of the Father and knowing the will um, of Jesus. So, in this, the the second point I want to bring out is praying to know um, when you when it comes to praying through the authority of Jesus' name is to always ask in his authority so knowing and understanding his authority so when we look back up at that text at ephesians and there's 
you know, I doing the I do that whole topic on authority and it's like not even a 45 minute lesson on authority isn't even anything. You hear people doing series for hours and hours and hours. Me just touching on this for a minute doesn't do it justice. There needs to be so much more in this understanding. But when we understand what Jesus attained through death and his burial his burial and then his resurrection we understand what it means that he was um that he was put at the right hand of heavenly realms far above a rule and authority power and dominion now all of those are actually referencing every single level of of um you know demons angels and anybody on earth it's literally referencing anything in the spirit realm and in the earthly realm so saying that jesus is literally above every single one of those things after he died on the cross and he was resurrected in the right hand and then in, it also talks about let's look down at um you guys don't have this but um colossians 2 12 and 15 for you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because your sins and because of your sinful nature was not, was not yet cut away. When God made you alive with Christ and he forgave you of all sins, he canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly in his victory over them on the cross. So this to me, and I've said this when I, when I talk on this in the authority week, is like a scripture that should shake us. When he talks about nailing it to the cross and disarming and shaming the, the devil, shaming sin, shaming death. And what the enemy always wants to do, he wants to cloak us in shame. He wants to cloak us in death. He wants to put on us everything that he already knows he's been shamed for, that he has already been, he's been made a spectacle. He's been made a spectacle. So do you understand that we need to remind the enemy he's been made a spectacle? He needs to be reminded of his position because in a lot of areas of our lives, the devil isn't in your face doing things. There's little thoughts, there's little um, belief systems we have, there's little things that we do um, that are actually, the enemy is behind pushing that. You know, saying, yeah, yeah, you know, you are horrible. Yeah, you did do that a long time ago. Yeah, you are this, you are that. A to just realize that what Jesus did when he died on the cross and where he is positioned at the right hand in heavenly realms, and we are the body of that. He is the head and he has said, we, the church, are the body of this authority. That we are operating out of the head. We are operating out of his authority. So if you can get that we are coming to anything that you come against, anything that you're feeling the enemy is operating in, you are coming out of the body of him. Coming out with the name of Jesus, understanding that he has given us that authority through his name but the problem is it all comes back to your knowledge and your understanding if you don't have knowledge of this if the sacrifice of jesus has not been made real to you then what are you going to do you're not going to operate like that guess what where the enemy has been disarmed in your life he may not be disarmed he may be operating very easily because you're not reminding him of his position because you're lacking revelation of god of jesus christ's position and what you have attained through Jesus Christ's position. Because many of you can say, well, yeah, I know he's seated at the right hand in heavenly realms. Well, I know he died on the cross for my sins and he did this, he did that. But do you fully understand the position that he has is the position you also hold through him? And getting that to sit in, sit into you. So when we pray, 
out of the name of Jesus. When you come in boldness through the name of Jesus, it comes out of revelation that you are in that position because he's the head. Because of all the sufferings he went through, all the death that he went through, you, you have now gained that position because of him, because of all he has done. So can you get why that's going to change your prayer life? Can you get why you, you know, I was always one to pray and beg and be like, oh God, I please and please and God, I just beg you, I cry out to you, Lord, to just do this and, and everything, instead of being like, God, I come to you, and I just thank you for giving me Jesus. I thank you for what you did through him. God, I pray I live out of that, God. And I just come in the name of Jesus, and I thank you that I expect good things, that you said this because of what Jesus has gone through. You're, 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 you're praying out of Jesus. You're praying out of what he's done. You're praying out of who he is and the position that he holds. So just that element in itself of revelation of Jesus Christ is going to change your complete way you pray. And when you say in Jesus' name, guess what? That's going to have more meaning to you. Why am I, why am I saying Jesus' name? So part of our prayer should be like, God, give me revelation of Jesus. Give me revelation of your power. And how he's going to give you revelation of his power is through Jesus. And some of that is going to be going through sufferings. Suffering unto death the way Jesus suffered unto death, so that we could experience life. And what does that really mean? It's, it's changing your complete view of life, how we experience it, and how Jesus experienced it, and the position we attain now because of what Jesus has experienced. Everything should always go back to Jesus, always. Our prayer life should always be out of Jesus. And... Being heavenly minded. So the third thing. So you, you ask what Jesus himself would ask so you know his will. He, um, so you know Jesus. You have to know Jesus in order to know his will. The second one, when it comes to praying out of the authority of Jesus' name, to ask in his authority, knowing his authority. So you have to know his position and know that that's a position that you've also attained. The third thing is to ask for his sake what promotes his cause and like i was saying everything goes back to jesus being heavenly minded so being and that's a lot of you know knowing the will of the father being heavenly minded but i also want to look at philippians 3 13 and 14 and i go back to paul and all this stuff because to me paul was incredibly heavenly minded he didn't need a wife and kids need to be home and settled and doing all this stuff he gave up his entire life and he endured so much suffering, you know, had a thorn in his side, um, you know, and that was what was believed to be persecutions and everywhere that he went. You know, he did not have an easy life, but he went after the things of God because he had revelation of Jesus Christ. He had revelation that God had given him. So to me, I want to look at what Paul says about this. He says, no, dear brothers and sisters, talking about um, achieving like his goal. I have not achieved it, but I focus on one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. So being heavenly minded to going after the things of God, going after the calling place upon our lives, going after things even in sufferings, expecting there to be another side of sufferings, pressing through no matter what, and being okay to experience death in order to experience life and being okay in those um, moments and in those pains. So that was my third and final, final thing about praying in the authority of Jesus and what that means and what are the three aspects of that. Um, and that's what I wanted to close with today. 
I, I'm not exactly sure in the next lesson what I'm going to go into further when it comes to when it comes to prayer. Um, but that's what I want to close with, with at least going forward into this next part of hopefully changing part of your prayer life in the way that you pray.